Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spashano, joined, as always, by the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. Benny, how you doing, buddy? Good. I, I think this is our 40th episode, I believe. Yes. And I think for the most part, we've stayed away from things controversial, but that's all going to change tonight. Well, well, speaking of, of controversial, Benny, why don't you uh, introduce the world to our guests? All right, gladly. Our guests are one of the hottest, if not the hottest, factions on the independent wrestling scene. And if, if these guys are booked anywhere remotely close to where you live, it is well worth hopping in your car and, and driving to see them because it's going to be, it's going to be well worth your time. Uh, they are La Brava and Salas, our executioner, two thirds yep. of controversial incorporated, or is it Inc? Either way, either, either way, normally say Inc, but incorporated Inc, I'm going to, we're going to go with Inc then. So guys, welcome to Dan and Benny in the ring. Can I just say that I love that introduction? I wish everybody that interviewed us would actually introduce us that way. That's wonderful. I love it. Well, man, you guys are great. I watched I watched a lot of your stuff in preparation for this podcast, and I, I was getting memorized. Like I, you know, I, I'd watch one video and then I'd see another one on my right. It's like I gotta watch that one too. And like I watched I watched a lot of your guys' stuff, and I just I, I think it's great. So it's definitely worthy of a good introduction. There you go. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. You know, speaking of speaking of your stuff, you can tell and you, Benny and I, between the two of us, decades of, of watching and you all with your in-ring experience, you can tell that when you see people in the ring, who's who's truly having fun. And you two seem to really enjoy. I mean, the, the, everything of yours I've seen, you two really seem to enjoy what you're doing. So I'm curious, and, and it's usually the start of any of the interviews Benny and I do. This goes for both of you. What was the moment when you knew? wrestling was going to be your calling no 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 no. i always start no no no. please by all means take the floor Uh, honestly i i remember goldberg seeing goldberg for the first time wcw when he came out with all the security guards behind him he was just starting trouble and uh i said you know what let me let me make trouble let me start some trouble and make some money doing it so professional wrestling is the perfect place to start a lot of trouble and make money while you're doing it so since that moment I saw Goldberg, that was something that was, you know, larger than life type of thing, you know. And so that was the moment for me, you know. That's what started every day. As far as me, I remember I would sneak over to the living room when I was a kid uh, to watch wrestling because I didn't have a TV in my room at the time. My parents were sleeping in their heavy sleepers. Thank goodness. Please don't kill me if you see this podcast. Um, so I would go over there and I remember seeing Chris Jericho's debut in 1999. Uh, cutting that promo against The Rock, and that was it for me. That was that was the moment, and that's why I was like, you know what? I think that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I didn't think I was going to do it until much later on in life, but that did it for me. So, how old were you when that when that when you saw that? Golly, I was born in '92, so I'm really like seven or eight. You were in grade school. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool, though, deciding that early in life that that's what you were going to do, and you followed you followed through on it. Yeah, it's it's been a great experience for the three of us. Really, it's been it's been very rewarding, and especially being able to wrestle during the pandemic too, when it was at its peak last year. We were still, you know, traveling around and 
entertaining the fans and stuff like that. And it was, it was. We never got sick. We never got sick. Exactly. Time. So. Down the back. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> knock on wood. So that, that's going to be something that's going to be a, a follow-up question down the road in this interview about you guys being very gainfully employed uh, and rightly so. But my, my first question is, how did you guys become a thing? How, how did you come up with the name? How did you guys all, you know, meet up? Like, when did that all happen? Very interesting story uh, because Mr. C had controversial ink in Puerto Rico. So he was trained in Puerto Rico by Savio Vega, and he started roughly around 2011. So he moved here in 2018, and his debut match in the in the states pretty much was against me. We had a match, and uh, one of the biggest uh, shows that in Orlando it was like 3,000. Actually, no, it was like 2,000 people, roughly like that. Um, and I wrestled went against him, and I was brand new. So we started we wrestled each other, and then Savio Vega after the match saw us, and he says, "You guys should be a team," you know. So we just, you know what, let's do it. So we started the team, and then months later, uh, she joined the place that I was training at. And then she went to a show. She was supposed to wrestle a girl. That girl didn't show up. And Please do uh, it. I'm going to do, do it. it. The, my trainer has a very thick, like, uh, New York accent. Please do it. Um, and then he goes to me <laughs> and says, you want this freaking bra and freaking mesh tonight? <laughs> and I tell him, I'm like, sure. So ever since that uh, moment when we had that match, it was it was like the magic was there. It was like the missing piece of the puzzle. And since then, we haven't looked back, and you know it's been it's been good. It's been good. I really like that New York accent. It's much better than mine. <laughs> I, I tried. I tried an accent, but it seems to get. I've been in Florida since two thousand one, so I've been here twenty years. I think I've lost a good bit of. I grew up on Long Island, New York. Yeah, I got it, I got it. But East yeah, Long you, Island. Yeah, yeah. You never, you never completely lose it, but you lose a little, you lose a bit of it as you, you know, as yeah, you Yeah, he says broad just about every other sentence. So, yeah, he's, yeah. Hey, you trained by Vince Russo or <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. I need to talk to him. So big who, swerve, who, bro. Did, uh, were you trained by Savio Vega or was was uh, uh, Mr. He was C trained by Vega. I was trained by Brian Idol. Uh, Brian Idol, he's a. Uh, He's very well known, kind of more in the independent yes, circuit here. So he's done a couple of tours in Japan. Uh, he does evolve. He does a lot of the uh, upper end, like independent scene. Okay. Yeah. That's 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 that is kind of a cool story. How everything just kind of clicks, and that was something. All that. Uh, exactly, and you hear that, and, and it, it's funny it works out because you hear that from some of the the wrestlers in in Florida. And some of the areas that have worked, you know, in the independence and, and Puerto Rico is is Savio Vega's reputation for having an eye for talent. Like you, you know, two two new newcomers in their first match, and here you are. Look at look how look at how well of a team that was to to think about. Just, I mean, how long was that match? Just a few minutes, I imagine. Or it was a six minute match. We were supposed to go twelve minutes, and as soon as we get to the gorilla, we're like, "You got five. I was like, "All right, great." So we go and we have our we have a five minute match, but it was good, and you know, people liked it in the back, and and they saw something, you know, and we we look similar, you know. He's a little bit small, uh, shorter than me, a little bit more stockier. But we have a very similar look, so it, it just kind of fit. Right. Well, did you, if you don't mind me asking, did you both have that? The, the 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 beard and and the head the head shave did you both have that look back then or did that kind of slowly evolve from being a team we always had the same look as far as like facial hair and being bald you know we kind of don't have a choice Long uh, but as far as like the gear he was rocking a little bit more colorful colors and then you know we kind of blended a little bit more as the time went by but 
yeah, we always kind of had the similar look. So it, it was definitely something that it was it was a good catch by Savio, man. And and of course, you know, it's Savio. So right. Well, if I can throw out a, a compliment, your style translates so well to multiple stories that like as far as telling stories in the ring. And I've seen clips of you guys working as both heels and faces as far as match goes. And it's impressive as far as as style and in-ring ability to you know some you see some some people, big names throughout history that have done both sides of the aisle and they wrestle two completely different personas as their heel and face style. And you guys seem really, I don't want to say the same. You, you can tell some of the, some of the psychology is different, but uh, I commend that of being, being able to, to keep a style that translates so well to, to the same story being told yeah. from different perspectives. But um, I, I'm curious having traveled and worked as much as you all have, do you prefer uh, to to work the crowd from from the heel or face side. I'll be honest. I like starting trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like I starting trouble. Um, but when when it comes to like people messing with us, you know, and I think I guess when people get behind us is is, is normally when people try to get in between us, you know. So it, it it's not that it that about heel or face is that we try to be relatable, you know. Even if we start trouble, we try to, we're, we're relatable. You know, people can see us and they can understand why we do the things that we do. You know, just like if you watch a movie and you see a villain, you're like, okay, I might not like the dude, but I know what the dude is doing that. Yeah, so you, you basically have like, okay, heel or face, it doesn't matter because I could be a heel, but maybe you agree with my point of view. Or I could be a face, but you completely hate the way that I think. So it's like he said, it's relatable. People can go ahead and be like, oh my God, this guy is a real... But there's the butt factor. Yeah, and so. a, and above all else, uh, we we like to say that we like to work for the crowd. You know, a lot of a lot of people like to work for the boys, as the term would say, which means that they just want to impress their friends in the back. You know, we don't care about that because at the end of the day, we want to go ahead and then, the fans are the ones that pay the tickets. The fans are the ones who showed up, and if our job is to piss them off, then we're gonna piss them off. And if our job is to you know make them cheer for us, then that's our job. You know, we we we. St- Stay true to that line. Uh, that right. that was the one thing that I noticed when I again I watched you know probably about ten of your videos, and the one thing that stood out immediately was your connection to the crowd, regardless if you were heels or baby faces. You you had you had people emotionally invested in the match, and yeah. to me that when you wrestle, to me that's the most important thing. You, you want to buy a ticket to to enjoy the, the the matches, not to see a particular high spot. Or even you know you, you want you want to see great matches and get involved in those matches. Everybody was involved is involved in your matches. I love that. Absolutely. We take we take a lot of um, appreciation, a lot of pride in like doing what we do because it's like you said, we work for the crowd. We don't we don't try to pop the boys in the back. That's <laughs> we're not here for that. You know, we want to entertain the crowds. They paid hard work money to see us wrestle, and we're gonna give them what they want. I respect that. Let me let me ask you something. You you both talked about getting into the business uh, watching '90s WCW. Uh, specifically, you mentioned like uh, Chris Jericho, and when he first started coming to prominence, his gimmick was the conspiracy victim. You know, I, I'm I'm small. The cruiserweights aren't getting a lot of time, and he was the heel. 
But as a fan, I, I kind of felt like, okay, he's right. You know, I just watched Rey Mysterio Jr. and the Ultimo Dragon have a five-minute rush job so that Lex Luger and Kevin Nash can get 45-minute main event. Like, wait a minute, I want to see, you know, you, 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 he might be the heel, but you get what he's doing. And at the time, you had, like, you know, obviously the rise of the NWO and some of your gimmicks, like like the heels turn with the horsemen. And you, you what you said really clicked with, you know, you might want to boo them, but you understand their point. Or maybe you actually like the heel because... I get what he's saying or the, the he's right. The baby face is a jerk or boring or whatever. I'm curious, having both kind of clicked with wrestling at the same time, did that influence the characters that you have over time? Or is that just kind of a natural progression of what wrestling became? Uh, okay. I guess I'll start. So I, if we're talking about like, like say for example, like Jericho, he's like, a nice of space. This guy is literally like the goat, in my opinion. Um, so he has so many, so many factors that make him such a great face or make him such a great heel. So I want to go ahead and just grab that because he's so versatile when it comes to wrestling. Like you could tell wrestling as a heel, wrestling as a face, but he still incorporates things from either side and people still eat it up, you know? So I try to do the same thing, whether it's heel or face, I try to translate that into wrestling as well as like, Creativity. Um, the guys can tell you I'm a very artistic person and I really like to figure out and break my character down. And I'm like, hey, well, what about this? And I'll ask them for opinions like, hey, what do you think about this? Or maybe I should try this. And it's translated into the into the person that I am today, because when I first started wrestling, nothing compared to what I am now. It's literally night and day. It is the scariest thing ever. Literally night and day. So it's just. It's like the evolution, basically. It's like an evolution of pro wrestling. And it's just from where I started to where I am now, I try to grab that from Jericho. Because look at where he was before. Look at where he is now. You never would have thought in a million years he would look anything like this, you know? The guy's reinvented himself so many times. And he's lasted for 30, 31 years. Amazing. Mm-hmm. How many people do you know at that age that can still that can do a lion salt? And they're still relevant. Right. I mean, his uh, the the what just two pay per views ago or or events ago when he had the uh, he wasn't allowed to use his entrance music and the crowd sang Judas when he yeah. came out in, in AEW. You mentioned that and I already have chills on my arms. Man. Right. That's I mean, here's crazy. here's like Benny said. Here's a, a thirty plus year veteran who at this point should be the old timer that's working working you know uh, a few matches a year and he's the most over thing a product the product has right now. Yeah, it's very that's true. As far as me, it, it's it was uh, '90s wrestling um, was is different than the wrestling that it is now. Um, it was there was a lot of stories. There was a lot of good guys versus bad guys. You know, now is is a showcase of athleticism. A lot of it, and, and that's fine. You know, but in the '90s and the '80s and the '70s and during that time all the way to probably the, the 2000s, you know, a lot of it was story driven. A lot of it, you knew, you knew why you didn't like this guy. And sometimes nowadays you see a guy get in the ring and you don't know if you should like him or dislike him. All you know is that he's doing some flashy stuff. And, it, and, it, and then you have, and then he's going against another guy who's flashy, but you don't know if you should like him or dislike him. So that creates a kind of a confusion of what the fans should expect, you know, whereas before it was very apparent. 
You know, you looked at you looked in the ring just by the first minute of the match. You already know who you should be cheering for. You know, and right. there's you don't have that anymore. You don't have a clear line of who is the person that you should be cheering, who should be the one you should be booing. Because, like I said, you know, in movies and, and series and all that, there is a clear underline of who's the who's the guy who's going to be trying to save the world or whatnot, you know? Whereas sometimes now in wrestling, there's no no explanation, no, they do, sometimes they do things without really explaining to the fans what they're trying to do. So all half of the mass, the, the, the fans are trying to figure out what they're doing, you know? So that that's kind of where I'm coming from. That's where I grew up with the 90s and the 2000s, you know, towards the end of the 80s, you know, but I did watch a lot of, you know, like the Hogan stuff, a lot of the Macho Man stuff, a lot of that. But my stuff was more like uh, Attitude Era, going to Ruthless Aggression. That's a lot of the their stuff was that. Good wrestling with great stories, you know? You know, I'm, I'm so glad you said that. There's a great movie uh, called 350 Days. Uh, it's produced by Evan Ginsberg. And it's, I, it's probably about... 15 20 years old and it 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 shows like all these guys like uh greg valentine superstar billy graham ox baker there's a whole bunch of guys just like their life on the road not even so much in the ring you know how, how they how they deal with wrestling when they're not wrestling and there was one guy his name was howard jerome and he said one thing that i'll never forget there's a fundamental longing in the human heart to see good defeat evil and so, like, when you said that, like, I, I thought that's exactly you want to know who to cheer for. And like nowadays, you know, it's I, I just I call it, you know, it's an exchange of spots versus, uh, you know, a, a, a actual telling a story. And the yeah. spots are great. Like, if you work them into a match like you guys use some high spots, but yeah. fundamentally, you're, you're trying to tell a story in the ring. And then, and, uh, you know, as that high spot works, then you bring it in. But my yeah. next question is and kind of along the same lines you're talking about selling tickets and my question is for Labrava. this one is uh i i think promos are a lost art i mean you you see you know you see wwe's raw and smack thing you see these guys doing a promo but it's scripted it's, it's something that somebody wrote for them and you, sometimes it's painful almost watching even like seth rollins who i think is a phenomenal wrestler but i it's almost awkward when i hear him cut a promo because you know it's not his and he's trying to embrace a grim a gimmick that really is not him in real life. And I listened to your promo, Labraba, for uh, the match against Persia Pierce, and it sounded so. I, I guarantee you that was your material. I'm sure it was, unless you tell me wrong. And <laughs> no, but, it, but I, you know, here I am in Newport Richie, Florida, and I go, damn, I want to get a catch a plane to San Antonio and watch this match because you did. What I think a promo should do is you want to create interest in a match and get somebody to buy a ticket. Is that is that what you do when you're when you're cutting a promo? Is that your intent? Absolutely. I feel like it's the same thing as if you're trying to sell a product. Like if you're like in retail and you're trying to sell a product, if you don't believe in the product, no one's gonna buy it. So same thing with promos. If you don't if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't promote your product, which is yourself. How do you think everybody else is going to go ahead and respond to that? You know, we have X amount of time to cut promos against our opponents. And that's how you sell tickets. That's how you put asses to seats. That's how you draw a crowd. That's how you tell the story. You know, there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, get everything done. And then, you know what, tell the story in the ring afterwards. And I'll tell you something and the, and the boys can say, yes, I absolutely love 
doing promos. So promoters who are watching this podcast, if you ever need a promo from any of us, please, by all means, we would be more than happy to cut a promo for your company. Whoever's out there, it's a bargain because they're good. Thank you. Thank you. You know, speaking of promos and telling the story, the the idea of and it kind of plays off what you were saying earlier with the good versus evil and and the narrative is the the in-ring story, the psychology is kind of a lost art. And you see, I mean, Benny mentioned the high spots, you know, nobody nobody really starts a match with a lockup anymore. There's no natural progression to the hot tags it's just bam 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 flip kick flip high spot you know off the top rope eight ten eight nine ten times kicking out of move you know kicking out of moves that you probably shouldn't um and it just it doesn't really tell a story but then you watch some of the like benny sent, showed me some of the stuff you guys have especially some of the work you did you did in florida or as benny was talking about with the promo and it just tells such a story in wrestling, you always hear people talk about the it factor, things that, that can't, couldn't be trained, couldn't be taught, but some of it that can be passed down. I know uh, anybody that worked with like Dusty Rhodes when he was at NXT was there. He was the promo instructor and you saw some really good talkers come out uh, from his under his wing. I'm curious at what advice or how would you go about teaching someone who doesn't understand the importance of a good promo or the idea of in-ring psychology, how would you teach them that? Or is that something that Pete, you, you just have, or you don't? Um, as far I can speak, at least on the promo side, as far as that goes, I feel like it's not whether or not you have it or not, because I mean, there's some talk, there's some wrestlers now that didn't know how to cut a promo to save their life, like five, six, seven years ago, but look at the promos that they're cutting now. So it comes with experience uh, depending how char- uh, how um, comfortable you are with your character, um, practicing <laughs> uh, in front of a mirror too, you know, because you know how the internet wrestling community is. You mess up one word and you are streaming live in a living color. So that's the last thing you want, you know. So just make sure you articulate your words and just make sure. For me in particular, like free advice. I always make like a mental note of like bullet points. I, I know exactly what I need to cover and then I'll just go base off of that. But everything else off the cuff so that way it comes out more natural. And also as far as promos, it's always good to find a place to do them, not to do them, you know, in front of just a plain wall or, or do partner. a selfie or in your car. You know, you're a professional wrestler and the word professional is very important. You have to portray yourself as a professional. If you're cutting a promo that's, that you're trying to portray yourself as classy, go somewhere classy. If you're so, if your character is something aggressive or something dark, you need to go somewhere to emulate that. You can't try to be the Undertaker and cut a promo in your car, you know? Because <laughs> I don't think I ever seen the Undertaker cut a promo in the car. I, don't, I have never seen Kane put flames in the car, you know? So maybe someone else's <laughs> car, but not his own car, you know? While he doesn't have his mask on, he's wearing his Sears uniform or something, you know? Like you don't. You have to be able to portray the professionalism because you're trying to sell tickets. Like if, if they see you in your Kmart uniform, they're not going to go see you wrestle, you know, and that's not a dig for anyone that works at Kmart. I'm just saying that you need to be a professional and we strive on doing that. You know, we, you know, I, I'll dress up just to do a promo, you know, show dress up just to do a promo. 
See, because we'll dress up to, to do a promo too. It's we take time out of our day. We go to specific loca locations. We'll drive 15 minutes if we have to cut a promo, you know, because we want to get somewhere in wrestling and we're not going to half-ass a promo because that promo can be the promo that that person watches and gets you signed. You never know. So you always got to be prepared to give it your all. And there's a lot of wrestlers that just cut a promo in their car or in their living room just because, oh, I need to get it out of the way, you know? And if you just get things out of the way, you're not going to get anywhere. You know, what happens with right. those of for a promo? You got and they watch all your car promos. You think they're going to want to give you that trial? Most likely not. So that's what I have to say. That's that's very interesting because I my, my theory is that the pro, you almost have to be a salesman. Yeah, because you, not almost you have to be a salesman. You're trying to sell tickets. That's your livelihood. And you, you nailed it when you said, you know, you, you want to dress professionally imagine going to buy a car and you know the, the salesman comes out with a you know wrinkled crappy looking shirt with you know taco bell stains on it i mean yeah. no matter how nice that car is you're gonna have a lot of you know doubt about his credibility so yep. um i you know i think that's everything you want you want that person like wow i i have to buy a ticket to see this i can't miss this and that's yep. you know and professionalism is it's, it's definitely the name of the game so um, Salazar, you mentioned something to me about some scars you have. So yeah. did you want to expound on that? Well, I have a, I have a couple of scars and, and a, just a few stories. Um, when I first, I, I was like seven months in and I signed up for just basically a, a death match. And I didn't really know it was a death match, but I show up in the, the Sausage Castle. You guys ever heard of the Sausage Castle? No, mm -hmm. no. Okay, Sausage Castle is owned by Mike Busey. And if you go online, look up the Sausage Castle, you'll see exactly what it is. Uh, it's like a, it's like a miniature Playboy mansion. Okay. Okay. So we have a show there and I'm put into this match and I thought it was a hardcore match, but then the light, the light tubes come out, you know, and I get hit with one of them here and I get uh, all this opened up and I put some of the pictures and, and I got 18 stitches up of that. 18 stitches up of that and I got one here and I got hit with a cowbell, and that, that cracked me open, too. And then I have a, the last one that was a major one. Uh, I still have the scar here. You can't really see it too much, but I have some pictures posted. Um, it was a swanton bomb, uh, but the, the elbow right here came straight here, and it opened me just like this. Uh, so I had, that, I had that very visible for a good two months. Like you can see just like a big cross in my head. Uh, so yeah, it's been, uh, and honestly to me, I don't care, man. It's just uh, give me more scars, you know? I, I, this is what I, what I like to do. And I'm the hardcore one out of the three. So when, every time one, someone wants to, you know, I'm the first one to pick up a chair. I'm the first one to pick up, you know, she does too. You know, C doesn't pick up much of the chair and stuff like that because he likes to kick people in the face. But I'm the one that likes to hit people with chairs. So that's, that's what I do. I actually saw you guys use a front door. I've never seen anybody oh, do yeah, that before. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Doors. I mean, not just table, tables, ladders, and doors. Yep. <laughs> chairs are unoriginal. Yeah. <laughs> well, chairs. You, you know, you, you talk about the, the scars and being the, uh, you know, being the hardcore one. And, and you mentioned earlier when we were talking with promos, there's a, a common adage in wrestling that, the best characters are the real you just turned up to 11, you know, yep. be it 
be it like like a, a Jake Roberts or a Stone Cold Steve Austin. You, you mentioned Randy Savage earlier, or even uh, later Chris Jericho, where he kind of became, you know, with in, integrating Fozzie and whatnot into his gimmick. Where when we when I watch you guys, uh, especially some of the matches, I, Benny showed me a clip where it was the two of you wrestling two men. Um, where does the line blur between? who I'm seeing on TV and who's like you said, in the car. After I don't the even match. know where the line starts or where it ends right now. You know what I'm saying? I don't, there's any line. A few years you forget where the line is. And sometimes, you know, I catch myself being way too much styles are outside of the wrestling ring. Um, and it's never the other way around. So I think as the years go by, the more Salazar takes over me. Um, Cause Salazar is just me turning to a hundred. And right now, normally I used to be, you know, if Salazar was a hundred and, and, and my other side was at zero, my other side now is like an 88 and Salazar is at a hundred. So the, the longer <laughs> I'm in here, the closer I get to becoming just Salazar. So that's me. I'm sure that the same thing is with her because you just, I start acting the same way because Salazar is, is me that just thinks about himself, doesn't care about, and just focuses on what his goal is. And now it's starting to become lined with what I want in my life. You know, I just, I was looking at this goal and that's what I want. The people in my group and the people I'm going to fight for, whoever's not in my group, I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, they're not going to look out for me. You know? So I look out for the ones that are around me. So that translates from Salazar to my real life too. You know? It's easily translatable. And that's, the purpose of the group you know the controversial ink has its purpose in wrestling but as far as like the three of us individually the group controversial ink means three people three great friends that are helping each other to get to the big league that's it that's that's the group in a personal setting you know aside from wrestling you know being the the three guys that like to cause a lot of trouble you know outside from that that's what controversial ink means for us I couldn't have said it any better myself. Golly. <laughs> so, which, you know, wait, which, well, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Which one of the two of you is good, the, the better promo again? That's debatable. I, that's very Some days it's her, some days it's her, some days, I don't, I don't know. That really depends on the person who's watching it, you know? Yeah. But honestly, we, we like to, we like to all give it our all when it comes to promos, you know? And, and I can safely say that she's probably, not probably, she's one of the best, if not the best, female wrestler that does promos in all of Florida and probably one of the best in all of the states, you know? Appreciate that. And, and that's just based on, it's just, we like, as, as a group, all of us, we like to make people feel that we mean it because in reality, a lot of what we say we mean. A lot of people get mad at us for the promos that we say, you know, because they, they think that we're the assholes, you know, and into a part we are, you know? But that's okay. If they want to feel that way, if it hurt them, if, if it ruffled their feathers, then I hope it ruffles all their feathers. You know, let them buy, let them buy a ticket and call you that yeah. in person, right? Exactly. Let them buy a ticket. You know, and if this, if it pisses off the rest of them wrestling, good. You know, I'm giving you a reason. What does that motivate you to fix whatever you have an issue with? So, well, well, speaking of that, I mean, we said I said at the beginning, you guys are everywhere. You guys seem very gainfully employed. I, I I imagine that you pretty much have to like turn down some stuff because you're in such demand. So that to me, that's like a good thing and a bad thing. Obviously, a good thing because you're getting the exposure and things like that. But I I don't care. You know, 2021, whatever the year is, travel can be a real pain in the rear end. 
So uh, I, is that is that true that, you know, you know, although you're getting the exposure, sometimes it could be a grind, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I mean, we honestly. Driving and even getting on an airplane, it's we enjoy it. But like we like, yeah, we like, to enjoy it. <laughs> well, we, yeah, we learn to enjoy it. So um, does anybody like waking up at three o'clock in the morning to catch a 5 a.m. flight? No, because everybody, a normal person would be sleeping at three o'clock in the morning, you know, or I got the mouth a little bit mixed up, but that's besides the point. But anyways, um, nobody likes to wake up super early. Nobody likes to do this and this and this. We know that this takes sacrifice. We know that this takes time away from our families, away from our personal lives and everything. And we're missing events, important events in people's lives. But, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to do what you got to do to make to they're doing what they're doing to make themselves happy we got to do what we have to do to make ourselves happy and we enjoy it. we enjoy each other's company the amount of road stories that we have we could probably make 10 books at this point and we would still have plenty yeah. of other stories to tell i'm not even kidding it's yeah. it's ridiculous the amount of stories that we have for everyone to like hear about which we'll say some as we get further into this but it's just we love it man we love it we learn to love it and every every time we travel, the experience just gets better and better and better every single time. Well, just keep in mind when you're ready to write that book, both Dan and I write for ProWrestlingStories.com. There you go. So we'd be happy to help you with that. Um, now, speaking that. of stories, uh, I heard that uh, in Puerto Rico, you folks caused a near riot and you were stranded there for a couple of weeks. You want to tell us that story? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, all right. So we, it was my first time ever wrestling in Puerto Rico. So it was a very grand experience for one. And then it was the guys as well, more so. That was like your second time wrestling there, right? Yeah. Second time wrestling there. And obviously, C is from Puerto Rico. So he's been wrestling there for years already. So the flight gets booked. We go to the airport. They changed the gate on us four different times without even oh, giving us a notice yep. at all. And this was um, like a nine o'clock flight at night. And we were supposed to get to Puerto Rico like, no, it was like at 10. It was like at 10 because we were supposed to get to Puerto Rico like around one o'clock in the morning or something like that. And then uh, after the gates changed, they say, oh, your flight got delayed. An hour goes by. Two hours go by. Three hours go by. Four hours go by still delayed and these flight attendants weren't telling us anything so uh mr hardcore here decided to go ahead and be the better man and step up and ask them hey respectfully like hey like what's the situation apparently their co-pilot went missing like the co-pilot was nowhere to be found the pilot was nowhere to be found so apparently like a lot of the airlines in orlando and puerto rico they went on strike a lot of them walked out. There was it was big. Unless you saw it like in the articles or like yeah, in the articles at the time, you wouldn't know about it. Yeah. You know? Twelve hours later is Thanks. when we travel. So we caught a flight when they were able to go ahead and get everything taken care of. Twelve hours later is when we're boarding over to Puerto Rico. So we get to Puerto Rico like at ten o'clock in the morning. We're running on zero sleep. We get picked up. We go to our Airbnb. We each get maybe like an hour nap each. That's it. To go to the venue, wrestle, tear the house down. Then afterwards, go to go out in the streets of Puerto Rico, you know, have a good time with, with uh, a monster's house and everything. 
we go to the Airbnb, enjoy one more last day in Puerto Rico, going to the beach and everything, because the beaches over there are gorgeous. Until we finally come to Sunday when we're supposed to go home. But guess what? Flight got canceled. And the airline didn't want to go ahead and respond to any of our chats. They didn't want to answer our phone calls. I blew up their Twitter DMs. Like, blew it up like crazy. Just trying to get an answer, trying to get a refund and everything. Because they didn't give us a notice until, like, literally within the hour of flight. So it wouldn't have given us any time to get ready, you know? Um, the days kept on going by, flight was still canceled. There was no reports on it coming back up to status or anything like that. So we started looking at each other and we're like, guys, we really might consider getting a job over here. Cause I feel like we're going to be stuck here for a very, very long time. Um, so, and of course we have our personal lives to take care of over here. So. You know, we didn't have the means or the funds to take care of this because we were just trying to survive over there in PR. We were trying to. Um, a lot of the wrestlers, and they know exactly who they are, so if they're watching this podcast, we really appreciate what you guys did for us. A lot of wrestlers went out of their way to actually buy us groceries. And they oh, were wow. like, hey, if you guys ever need something, you guys are more than welcome. And it's always the people that you least expect that are going to do these things for you. You know what I mean? Because these aren't people that you keep on contact with every other day or every single day. Cause you know, you have your one or two boys in wrestling that you really trust. You call brothers and everything and whatnot. But then there's those people that are just like, oh, hey, how you doing? Shake hands, very respectfully, very courteous. These people were willing to extend their homes out to us. And they were like, if you guys need a place to crash, you guys can crash at our spot, stay as long as you like. Just let us know when everything gets, um, gets back better for you guys. Everybody in PR was super helpful. And we were stuck there for like what 17 days, two and a half weeks. Oh, wow, kind of like two weeks. Uh, so we were stuck there for about two weeks. We finally were able to fly, uh, over there. Um, as far as the the ride and the in the show, so we did we did the show. She had she had a match against uh, the biggest female wrestler over there in Puerto Rico. And at towards the end of the match, we got involved, of course, because we like to start stuff. So we got involved and and uh, we chased her into the crowd. She jumped the barricade, and as soon as she jumped the barricade into the crowd, oh God, a row of people created a shield in front of her. Wow! And they started whipping out their their sticks and their they started taking Yikes. their belts off. And, oh jeez! <laughs> and I see that, and instead of like defusing, I'm like. This is my moment. So I start taking my things off. This guy told, told me, he's like, oh, so much. So I start taking my belt off. And I'm like, I'll take my pants out right now. Why don't you do it to me? So like, we were we were causing uh, quite the ruckus there um, to the point that like everyone, all the security had to get involved. There were people waiting for us to fight us and stuff like that. And, and you know, that, that to me is great. You know, I, the more I can piss off people, the better. The more I can get them mad. And, you know, so people... You know, that's, that's the type of thing that you don't get it a lot now. You don't get people getting really, really, like, genuinely mad at another wrestler, you know, as a fan. So us doing that and creating that scene where people had to literally shield someone because they felt that they literally had to defend them to that point, you know, that, that was something I was like, all right, cool. We're going to go ahead and do it again next month. So when we went back, you know, we did that again, and, and it was uh, we didn't Puerto get Rico. This time. We didn't get stuck. But Puerto Rico is one of those crowds. It's one of the hottest crowds in wrestling. They're very, they're very into it. They, they live it. They live for it. You know. So, 
to create that type of reaction. That's exactly what we wanted to do. We wanted to get them all pissed off, and it worked. So, you know, it was, yeah. a, it was a good trip aside of getting stuck there and, and having to uh, fend off for, for about another week on top of the time that we were there. Uh, it was a good time. And it's it's been that way for many, many years. I know, Benny, anybody that knows wrestling history, I mean, Ric Flair, they had to have an unofficial title change in Puerto Rico because they genuinely yep. – were worried for his safety if he won that match. It's crazy. Yeah, the Puerto Rican fans—they're very, uh, they're very dedicated uh, uh, fans. So like, the, they had people come to the back and tell us like, "Hey, there's some people that are waiting for you guys outside because they really don't like you." And instead of getting scared, we're like, "Yes, we're super happy. That's what we want." And I wish, I wish crowds like that would react more to wrestling because it's fun. That's what makes it fun. You know, not when you're like just sitting there and not reacting to anything. Yeah, but that's also to blame some of the wrestlers that are not willing to do with the, what's necessary to get the reaction out of them, yeah. you know? That's so that's, that's, that's the thing. That mm. That's, to me, that's as a wrestling life. I, I started watching wrestling in 1968. I mean, you just, you just described with generating heat. And I mean, uh, one of the most impactful moments in, in the history of me watching wrestling was in 1980 when Larry Zbysko turned turned on my hero Bruno San Martino, and I mean, people shot at him. I mean, I'm I not saying I mentioned Bruce Brody for a second. He's oh, coming in and doing... no, but like Larry Larry Zbysko sometimes had to ride into arenas in the trunk of a car. Yeah. Because that's how much people yep. were emotionally invested in wrestling, and that's how much a heel could get people like up to the point where like they're shooting at people. So I'm, and again, I'm not, I'm not advocating something like that, but like what you, you got those people riled up and I guarantee you every single one of those people bought a ticket for the next show. Oh, for sure. sure Yeah. And that's what it's all uh, about. (laughs) My, my favorite, my favorite story is still Jim Cornette tells when the, the, the highest grossing tag team feud ever was the rock and roll at midnight express. And the, the Midnight Express, they the fans would slash their tires, and you know they, they they ended up getting a police escort. And he said the very first night they got a police escort, they left the building, and somebody had slashed the tires on the police car. Like they were the 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 level of of heat, which is Benny. How many times have we had a conversation on this show where we've talked about you just don't see that energy anymore? I mean, no. you 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 watch. Uh, main event shows at like WrestleMania and somebody in the third row is looking at their phone, yeah. you know, uh, versus not, not you, you mentioned you were talking nineties WCW, you two earlier when you had every week, I mean, I'm not, again, not advocating it, but every week you had people jump in the barricade and the NWO legitimately getting in fights with fans and even yeah. the horsemen still having their, their crowd. It's, it's, it's awful. I mean, you know, kind of in, in a way it sucks that it happened to you but at the same time it's great that you guys can generate that reaction from a crowd you yeah. just don't see that I mean, anymore puerto rico is the closest thing you're gonna get to like 80s, to the 90s to that type of wrestling yeah. that you guys were talking about it's the closest thing you're gonna get because they they stay true to those type of fundamentals and all those things that that we all talked about you know they right. stay, they stay really true to that and above all else they want to get that reaction from the crowd you know, above all else. So um, if, if you're ever trying to look for wrestling like that, you need to catch a flight and go to Puerto Rico. Yes. That's where you're going to see it. I mean, the, the, the colognes still say that Puerto Rico is the last territory, yeah. the last true territory, that is. 
speaking of reactions, I, I have to ask, and you, you, as as someone who grew up as a fan and then became a wrestler, you guys posted a video back in, I believe it was August. Um, you you were at a uh, a wrestling show and got a little too up close and personal with Mick Foley. Yeah, and I, I have to know just from the sake of a wrestling fan you, to to sell it. Uh, you you there's, I mean, going back years and and through the modern times, there's a lot of stories of wrestlers getting to interact with people they grew up watching, and they break character. They you can see them smirking. You hear stories afterwards. What was that like having being, I mean, obviously still being involved, but at the same time, like at the end of the night, walking through the curtain, <laughs> Mick, Mick Foley just hit me with Sako. Like that's got to be cool, a cool experience, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, and this is something to add to it. And I don't think a lot of people thought about that and know me, but Mick Foley was there at my first show ever at my debut show as a wrestler. Mick Foley was there. Uh, so it, it transcended from Mick Foley being at my first show to Mick Foley putting a sock in my mouth. Uh, so it's that's how my career has been going. So great. Um, but yeah, I grew up. I grew up seeing Mick Foley and, the, like I said, the Attitude Era. That was basically what I watched the most. And uh, of course, you know, you can't talk about the Attitude Era without talking about Mankind and Undertaker. You know, so those key players in the Attitude Era. You know, and I and I shared. You know. Not, not to say the ring, because it was outside the ring, but I shared uh, a moment with him. And, you know, at the moment, honestly, I didn't even think about that. All I thought was, like, that's my job? Okay, great. I don't really, when I go to these shows, like, I try to stay, think about it as, this is my job, I'm going to do it. So I don't really mark out, which the word that people use, like, mark out. Like, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think that way until probably after the show, until after I do it. So after I did the thing, after all that, then it kind of sunk in afterwards, like, oh, I really did that with Mick Foley, huh? So it was, it was a, a cool little, like, uh, nod to the uh, to the little kid that wanted to be a wrestler, you know? So it, it was a cool moment for me. It was definitely was. As much as I had it being. <laughs> but it was a cool moment. So um, I, I have to ask this question. Where do you folks see yourselves as far as like if you could choose one major promotion to work for and you know 10 years ago everybody would have said wwe but i mean watching you guys the way you wrestle and the way you cut your promos i'd be afraid that they would take all the starch out of you guys that's just my opinion but is is there one organization that you might want to work for where you think you could stay true to your character okay so i i got asked this question and I, I saw it coming from a mile away. I saw it coming from a mile away. So I think that maybe he can go ahead and agree with me too and say whatever company gives us longevity is the one that we want to go to. Uh, uh, a friend of ours in the business had answered that same question and it didn't sink in until afterwards. And it's like, okay, it's not pick this or pick that. Which one is going to give you longevity? Which one's going to be more beneficial to you? Because what is if, if, say, for example, if we go to AEW, just to say, for example, we go to AEW, but it was more beneficial for us to go to WWE, but we wanted to go to AEW, then it's like, all right, we had more longevity in WWE, but we decided to go with the other guys instead. So really, whatever gives us more longevity where we can go ahead and just continue progressing in our career, 
um, evolu uh, evolutionizing ourselves and growing as a group, or even if we go singles, you know? So whatever, whatever is in our better interest. As far, I would, I would lie to you. You know, the first thing that people think is not WWE, of course, you know, we're going to think WWE first. That's the first thing you think, because that's what you grew up watching. And that's when you decided that you wanted to become a wrestler. You told yourself, OK, I want to get to WWE, you know, now that AEW is in the, you know, in the game is a whole different outlook on it. Now, AEW probably gives you the opportunity to off the get go present your package as a group. You know, maybe maybe straight off the get we can be controversial in you know, in AEW. In WWE, it's more based on what their plans are with us. And with AEW, it's the same, but a lot of people, uh, a lot of wrestlers probably feel like they can probably be more what they were doing before they got into the, the Fed in AEW. Uh, and it can be the same in, in WWE, but that's just what some people think. Uh, I personally, you know, maybe, you know, either or. For me, either or, because the the goal for me is to do this, you know, not not only full time, but to go ahead and, and, and make an actual career and to send into other things, you know. Um, so whichever one, like like she said, whichever one allows us to make a career out of it uh, first, you know, if, if WWE knocks first, we'll take WWE. If AEW knocks first, we'll take AEW. But, you know, in your head, you still tell yourself, WWE because you're you know the little kid in you the, the people the person who's grown up watching it right you know? so it tells you that you know in your head it says that but if AEW tells you know I'm knocking the door if I get a phone from AEW I'm definitely not saying no and I will I will make the most out of it make the most out of it so you know either one so either one can call us right now at this very moment <laughs> why are you looking at your phone <laughs> it well how, in the in the digital age, in the social media age, you have wrestlers who have grown very massive followings without appearing at a major promotion. Maybe some work in Ring of Honor or something. Um, do you think? I mean, yes, everybody talks about, and I know Benny's question was kind of geared towards a WWE versus W or a versus I almost said WWE versus WCW, WWE versus AEW. Feels um, like that sometimes, yeah. But it, it certainly does. But do you do you think it's possible? And, and this is also not just from your experience and the many, many road stories that you said, you, you know, you have. But for for the, the younger talent, do you think it's possible to have a, a fulfilling long career on the indies in today's uh, today's wrestling environment? Or does the end goal pretty much big, big company or bust? There's, there's, you can do both. I mean, there's some people that are very profitable being independent wrestlers. Um, like you have people like Effie who started, you know, doing the same thing as us, you know, and, and he started, you know, from the very bottom and worked his way up. And now he's doing GCW. He's doing all these things. I'm pretty sure he's very popular doing all that. So um, a lot of, it just depends, you know, depending on the avenue that you choose. Um, as far as like us, Honestly, and just to add this, if there was any other company that we would like to at least step foot in before we get signed, NWA. NWA. We're um, both big fans of NWA. NWA, oh, yes. because I feel like we, I feel like we fit really well there. I think we would fit really well there. I, I feel like what we, the what we do in the ring, will work really well with that type of, uh, and. and 
you know, in the NWA, you know, you got the, the greatest wrestlers that came out of there, you know, like, that's where a lot of them made a huge mark, you know, before they got signed. And even before, like, Harley Race, for example. Harley Race didn't do much in WWE, you know, if you compare it yeah. to his work in, right. you know, AWA, NWA. But he's one of the most influential wrestlers of all time, you know. And that's for, like, for wrestler buffs, you know, people that really study the game and the psychology and all that. You know, Harley Race is a very influential wrestler. You know, so and he was a person that was able to make a whole career in the territories like that without really the E, you know. Right. So NWA was definitely definitely be one that we would like to step with. I could see that. And like Benny said, we're both huge fans. I, that would be that would be great in the sense that, yes, you're, I totally agree you would fit in, but also to kind of circle back to what you talked about in the beginning with the promos having the right atmosphere Something about that, you know, in front of the blue curtain kind of territory feel that the yeah. NWA has, I think, would fit great with the promo styles that, that, that I've seen from you guys. Appreciate that a lot. Benny, as we, uh, as we wrap up here, you have uh, final questions or thoughts for, for our guests? Well, uh, I was going to ask uh, if they'd be appearing in Ocala in the near future because I'm about 100 miles away. And I promise you, if you're going to be there, I'm, I'm going to get in my car and drive there. We do have a show in Ocala, and that's going to be November 20th. Okay. Be for OCW. Um, we have a couple shows lined up. Um, we have a show uh, October 23rd. It's going to be in the Seminole area. They're doing like a, like a haunted house theme with POW, which is the promotion that she's a champion. At. Which, by the way, I just wanted to say that today marks two years of me being the Pride Wrestling Women's Champion. All right. Two years. All right, yeah. I mean, in this day and age where Anything. titles change like people's underwear, I yeah. mean, two years is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, Congratulations. The, the pandemic had something to do with it, but we don't talk about that. But no, just in I, case an internet I mean, mark decides to rub that in my face later. I mean, so you hear in WWE, they, they, they talk about he's on his 118th days. Uh, you know, to me, like Bruno San Martino was the champion for eight years. So, like, talking years, that makes sense. Days, who cares? So, two years is phenomenal. Yeah, and it's, yeah. Been, it's been a very, uh, a very, very challenging road. Um, it wasn't always like this um, for me. Um, I'm just very happy that I can represent the company that way because that was the one of the very first companies. Actually, no, that was one of the very, like, that, the second company I ever started with. And they were one of the very first ones to give me the opportunity. If you ever have uh, Robbie Medina on your uh, podcast, uh, he can tell you stories. And just to kind of put one little thing out there, he saw that I just wasn't a draw at the time and I was maybe like 10, 12 matches in. And he said, I don't want her in my shows anymore. Legit, straight out said, I do not want this girl in my shows anymore. Instead of complaining, instead of crying, I said, you know what? I know what I have to do. Went to another training school, worked on my fundamentals. That's where I met him, see, uh, trained with Brian Idol. Per, um, wanna go ahead and I polished my craft, learned a lot more and Three years later, here I am as Pride of Wrestling's women's champion for two years now. I did have one other very controversial question. 
There you go. Yes. What, what's what's better, Bucky's or Wawa's? Oh, no! <laughs> Why would you ask this? <laughs> no! I wasn't expecting that. One. I wasn't expecting <laughs> that. Well, you know, it's, it, I said we stayed okay, away food, from anything controversial. Wise, but... Food wise and coffee, Wawa. Okay, uh -oh. okay, but, 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 Getting shot glass, I thought it was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Which I ended up buying one too. So I was like, all right, yeah, I win. That's that's hilarious. Yeah, don't uh my my wife is from San Antonio, so uh first time we ever stopped at a Bucky's, I remember just sitting there and it's like, wait, this there's an entire counter of just beef jerky and yeah. you know, yeah, here's here's a whole like you said, here's a whole section that just sells shot glasses and then this entire section is just different types of meats and it's like oh my i mean it was it was an entirely new world and as someone you you two said you've been on the road i mean anybody that's ever been in been in a bucky's it, a, a rest stop bathrooms have no business being that clean yeah yeah, yeah. they really yeah. don't and just i don't know if you guys knew this but like i popped so hard at the fact that there was a bucky's that I went to the manager and I asked him, do you guys have any Bucky's in Florida? And there's actually three of them here in Florida, which I had no idea about. So I learned something new that day. So I will genuinely take a three hour drive to St. Augustine just to go to Bucky's. That's on my wish list right now. <laughs> one day, one day's gotta happen. One day's gonna happen. That's great. <laughs> Well, as we wrap up here, you, you mentioned having some uh, some upcoming shows where uh, uh, we, and we talked about where you can be seen. But what about uh, just catching up on on clips or updates? Where can you all be found uh, on social media? So while he's looking for a schedule right now, um, uh, you can go ahead and find me on Facebook at LaBrava Wrestler. And no, Wrestler is not my last name. Uh, you can go ahead and find me. Uh, Roma, if you're watching this, I love you. She'll understand if she sees this. Um, Instagram, you can go ahead and find me at LaBrava Mayhem. On Twitter, you can go ahead and find me on LaBrava Official, or it's official LaBrava. I'm pretty sure it's LaBrava Official. I'm pretty sure it's LaBrava Official. And on YouTube, you can also find me as LaBrava or Controversial Link. All three of us run that page. Uh, the floor is all yours. You can find me at Salazar Executioner on Facebook, Salazar Executioner on Instagram. S L Z R con on Twitter. Uh, as far as the group, you can uh, controversial ink on Facebook, ink.controversial on Instagram, and um, you can just search controversial ink on Twitter because I don't remember the. It's the at official con ink. There you go. Uh, as far as our dates, we got WXW, which is uh, run by Alpha the Wasamoy, and that's in Mineola. We are the WXW Tag Team Champions, so we're going there to defend our titles. Um, the 23rd, we have that show that's going to be in conjunction with uh, a haunted house. So it's going to be a very interesting show, and that's going to be the 23rd of October in the Seminole area. We and then we also have uh, IWA. So IWA was something that was really big uh, in Puerto Rico and still does a lot. You know, they're still really big in Puerto Rico. But this is basically the the Florida version of it, 
And so IWA is bringing a really, really interesting product and it's relaunching uh, starting October 31st. Fortunately, I won't be there because I'm banned apparently, but she's going to be there going for the woman's title. So that's something to check out. Um, so yeah, that, that's going to be, we're going to Puerto Rico again on November 27th. So we go there every month because we also are the tag team champions in Puerto Rico. We're the tag team champions everywhere, man. Sometimes I just want to drop my titles off in places. This is like just a lot, you know, like I got to, at one point I had to, had a separate bag just for my titles. I remember that. And I, and I couldn't even put all my titles there. At one point I had six tag team titles just in Florida alone. No, I'm down to four and I want to, I want to just drop it all off. You know what I'm saying? Like take the weight off. The, and you know, it, it, it's, it's hard because no one's good enough to take it off of us. So, you know, it's like this thing where you're like, okay, I want to, I want to give it to someone that's better than me, but who's better than me, you know? It's, it's really rough. It's a really rough thing that we have to deal with. You know, carrying the weight of the tacting division in all Florida, it's a really hard task, you know, and, and, and people like us, people that carry that torch, you know, it's, it's a, one day, one day they'll be the right team to go ahead and, and take the title of the most prepared, most dominant tag team in all of Florida. But it's not now because it's us. Mm. I'm I'm surprised you can you can carry belts carrying around all that humility too. That's incredible. That's it's, it's a very hard task. <laughs> like the great Reggie Jackson once said, "It ain't easy being me." Right. It's not. It's not. You, you need to you need to get a uh, get an entourage. I'm I'm remembering those old fights of of unified Mike Tyson where he had people just carry all those belts to the ring at the same time. Oh, trust me, I've done that already. I I, I have. Sometimes the people that come with me, you know, I have them carry my my bags, you know, because that's the least they can do, you know. I, I bring them to the shows, I, I let them, I, I give them my extra bottle of water, you know. It's 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 things that I do for them, um, you know. The least they can do is carry all my bags, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very. I don't think I saw a video of you guys that did not involve a title belt. Seriously. There you go. It kind of speaks for itself, doesn't yeah. it? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that is incredible. Well, I mean, you you said earlier you could write a hundred books on your road stories and barely scratch the surface. And I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. Uh, it's really definitely something, uh, Benny, we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch to try and, and get you all back. Hopefully uh, you'll, you'll have some more belts by then. And uh, I do appreciate your time. I know the, the life of a, a traveling wrestler is never a non-busy one. So yeah, I appreciate like all. More, I'll probably have four more scars by the time that we do the next interview. Um, and six more and belts. Three more belts. Uh, yeah. But but that's fine. You know that comes with the territory, and uh, that's that's what we do. You know, it's it's not easy. It's not easy being us. There you go. Well, for uh, uh, Salazar and Labrava Controversial Inc. Again, I appreciate you all coming by. And we'll definitely have to have you out. Uh, anybody, like they said, check them out online. Anywhere social media can be found. Controversial Inc., some of the best indie talent around today. Thank you all so much for being here. Thanks for having us, guys. Appreciate Thanks, it. Y'all have yourselves a great evening. And again, we'll we'll definitely have to do this again. Yep. For sure. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank have a you. good night. You too. That is in just incredible talent and incredible stories. And you really threw them for a loop with your with your Wawa Bucky's question. Well, ben. I mean, you know, we needed co some controversy, all right? <laughs> I'll tell you what, that is, uh, it, it's, it's so refreshing 
because you can tell with every story and every narration and every bit, not just that they're good at what they do, but they love what they do. They're not, I mean, we've talked about it before on the show. You hear, uh, wrestlers that almost can't be bothered. They're, they're in, you know, the horror stories from some of the older guys that we've had on talking about the kids coming in that just want the money or they want the fame. You know, it's, it's these, this is, I don't even want to say kids, but these guys, um, they, uh, they they just absolutely are uh, are incredible for what they do both in ring talent and it's nice to see someone who truly loves uh, truly loves what they do. Their their enthusiasm and their passion are they're contagious. I just I I would not be surprised if one day I turn on my TV and you know whatever NWA AEW whatever. And I saw those guys there. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. I mean, they're they're so passionate. They love the business. And they're they're willing to put the work in. That's the other thing. They're willing to do what it takes. Absolutely. I mean, you heard you heard LaBrava tell the story where she pretty much got canned and said, you know what? Instead of I'm done, um, I'm gonna go train and I'm gonna come back better than ever. And two years as champion in a promotion that runs pretty frequent shows. And Florida never really shut down as far as pandemic wrestling. So, I mean, it's not like, you you know, some of these promotions that 18 months without a title defense, I mean, you're running shows consistently and two years as, as your top draw is very impressive. How many, you know, people, young people, wh- whatever, would take that, you know, that, that admonition that, you know, you, 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 we, I don't want you on my show and just pack their bags and go home and quit. And, and exactly. she, instead of quitting, she took that as well. I'm going to get better. And that's what she did. Yeah, I mean that's that's like I said, you could tell that's a love of the business that doesn't you can't teach that. You have to go in with that love. And it reminds me when 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 we were talking with Jimmy Valiant where he talked about some of the students, you know, you can see who's who has the that that heart from day one. And I'm sure I'm sure they the you their trainers all saw it. No, I, you know, having been there and watched them, you know, at, at, at Jimmy's wrestling camp, you, you can see some of them, they have that fire, they have the it factor. And some of them, you know, they just want to say that they went to, the, you know, the Boogie's wrestling camp and they have a certificate. Now, not, you know, not any fault of the instructors. There. I mean, some people, it's like anything. Some people want it more than others. And you could see yeah. the people, I could see the people who really, really wanted it. Oh, absolutely. And, and I cannot recommend enough. And, and you know me, I'm not even a fan, a, a, the biggest fan. Uh, sometimes I'm actually critical of some of the overly hardcore wrestling. But they, when you can tell a story the way they do and bring it, just that that narrative the way they do, you don't even realize that you you know they're oh wait they just swing in a chair and all that. Um, I mean, it's it's incredible. I, I cannot recommend enough to everyone listening to check them out. We'll post links. And you guys just, I mean, have to, have to look in it, look at them. It's, I would argue one of the best indie acts in America today, without question. I just, I was, and hopefully be, I'll be a part of it soon. I was amazed at how they connected with the crowd wherever they went. And I saw about seven or eight of their, their matches. They were all over the place, you know, whether it be in Puerto Rico, Florida, Texas, 
I mean, yeah. they, they connect with the crowd. They just do that. And they're going to do that wherever they go because that's 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 what they do. Oh, absolutely. And you 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 said it, Benny. I mean, you're in Florida. You know, you get in that car and go see some of those matches, whether they're in Ocala, if they're in Tampa, you know, wherever they are, yeah. you, you got to go. You got to go. So if and hopefully maybe one day they'll come up this way. I know the mid-Atlantic region has some some great independent wrestling i'd love to maybe, see maybe uh, yeah maybe vcw maybe we'll see uh, the vcw could be so lucky but um again uh, always a great great to have these kind of conversations benny uh, any any closing thoughts for the evening not well uh we're you know our facebook page is nearing 1000 people we're at i believe 992 faithful members of the dan and benny brigade so i'm imagining within the next few days we're going to hit that coveted 1000 member mark and i just wanted to thank everybody out there for for joining the page and for being so respectful posting great content uh getting along with everybody else it's just that page is is a lot of fun just the just the things that are posted on there you know we, we have hall of fame wrestlers posting on there we have evan ginsburg who produced that great movie 350 yeah. days i mean we have all kinds of people it's just it's a lot of fun that the page is a lot of fun just by you know in and by itself yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, some of the talent, some of the the relations, um, family members, uh, s- spouses, siblings, uh, children of some of the talent that we've talked about. I know I was still touched uh, a couple months back when I posted that picture of of me and Koloff at, at when I ran into him setting up for that convention, and his his widow commented on. You know right. uh, how much he loved the fans, and that was that was a great picture of us and all. Uh, it's it's great to see, and like you said, f- um, you know, authors, writers. I think that Mikey guy might make a movie or two. I'm not sure. He never really talks about what he's what he does, but you know, we. Uh, I think he's got cameo roles for both of us. <laughs> Maybe right. We'll we'll be the uh, we'll be the the newscasters who get killed in the first five minutes. So <laughs> we're enhancement talent. We're, they'll just kill us right off. Yeah, can movies have a curtain jerker? I don't know, <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's great stuff, and and we wouldn't we wouldn't have done as far as we have been. You know, the the average lifespan of a sports and entertainment podcast is about three episodes, and we're we'll, we'll be at a, we'll be at fifty and a hundred before you know it. So absolutely, you know, and we wouldn't do it without how fun it is to interact with the fans. So for the BS Express himself, Benny Scala, I'm Dan Spasciano. Have a good night, everyone, and as always, happy wrestling. Good night, folks, and stay safe.